1: It's a Michiana tradition. A tradition unlike any other. Now in the morning. Their time is done. It's over. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome to Sports Beat AM.
0: Go crazy, folks. Go crazy.
1: With Darren Pritchett. It's a lot. I hit the 7-iron like John Davey hits the 3. On Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT.
2: Goodbye, baby! At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10! Bye-bye, rocket touchdown, Irish!
3: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Beat AM on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT, a live stream available right now at WSBTradio.com. And on our free WSBT radio app, the app can be collected right now at the iTunes or Google Play stores. Just search WSBT radio. Then you can listen to us live or a podcast whenever you would like. Nine minutes after six o'clock on this Friday, the 13th, Friday, May 13th of 2022. It is currently 58 degrees in downtown South Bend. We're expecting generally sunshine throughout the day with a high of 84 degrees. And tomorrow we're looking at a high of 80 with a chance of some scattered showers in the morning. We'll have the Corona Premier Golf Show for you tomorrow morning from 8 until 9. I'll be joined by the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend, Tim Firestone, for some golf conversation. Well, we welcome you to this three-hour installment of Sportsbeat AM on WSBT Radio. What do we have in store for you today? Well, coming up at 7.05, we will take a look at the Hot off the press, Chicago Bears schedule that was unveiled last night. The Bears will get an early season matchup at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers middle of the season. They will have a stretch where they play four road games in five games. Trips to New York, Minneapolis, Foxboro, down to Dallas. It's kind of an interesting stretch of games for the Chicago Bears So we'll go through their schedule coming up at 7.05. Recently on Budweiser's Weekday sports beat, Bodie Bender was a guest, the new Mishawaka Boys basketball coach. You'll hear from him at 7.35. We'll have our Twitter question of the day coming up at 7.50. What's going on with the local baseball team down at Four Winds Field, the South Bend Cubs? We'll talk to South Bend broadcaster Brendan King at 8.05. We'll have some sports wagering conversation coming your way. At 20. and we'll wrap up the program this morning at 8.35. The Senior PGA Championship is coming back to Harbor Shores in Benton Harbor, Michigan, May 25th through the 29th. A lot of things happening surround the golf tournament. It's not just golf you can enjoy. There are many activities surrounding this event. There's also a great story with Whirlpool and the land that this golf course is on used to be their property and, and had a lot of material on it that wasn't needed anymore. Some old pieces of equipment was out there. It was taken away, cleared out, and now a beautiful golf course off Lake Michigan. Deb O'Connor from Whirlpool. will talk about some of those storylines and the Senior PGA Championship this morning at 835 right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Speed AM presents What You Missed While You Were
1: Sleeping. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Take it 76 yards. That's Seven oh. good. way back. It might be. It could
4: be. It
1: is. You can put it on the board. Yes. On Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT.
3: Well, let's start with some news that we want to tell you about. This is actually going to be the final morning for Sportsbeat AM. As we are going to start airing ESPN Radio's Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max in this time slot. I'm going to be moving back to afternoons. So I'll be hosting Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat starting Monday from 5 until 7 o'clock. So we will continue to bring you the best in local sports talk from 5 until 7 weekday afternoons here on WSBT radio. But again, starting Monday morning at 6 o'clock, you'll hear Keyshawn, Jay, Will and Max here on WSBT radio. Then I'll join you starting Monday from 5 until 7 on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Some Notre Dame football recruiting news. Four-star wide receiver Rico Flores Jr. out of Sacramento, California, has announced that he will make his college choice on July the 3rd. And he's narrowed down his choices to three schools, Notre Dame, Georgia, and Ohio State. So the Irish hoping to add this four-star wide receiver from California, Rico Flores Jr., his announcement July 3rd. Right now the Irish have... One player in their class of 2023 at the wide receiver position, it is Braylon James. To baseball, after a day off, the Chicago Cubs open a weekend series in the desert against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Left-hander Drew Smiley will pitch for the Cubs tonight, and the Cubs will oppose a guy that was in their rotation last year, right-hander Zach Davies. First pitch this evening is set for 9-40. In the National League yesterday, the Reds shut out the Pirates 4-0. It was the Phillies 9 and the Dodgers 7. The Mets over the Nationals 4-1. In interleague play, the Orioles edged the Cardinals 3-2. To the American League. Well, it was a big night for... Yankee slugger Giancarlo Stanton against the White Sox.
4: Fly ball, deep right, going back angle on the track. See ya! Another home run for Stanton, a two-run shot, and the Yankees take a 5-3 lead.
3: Well, Stanton would homer twice and drive in six, and the Yankees defeated the White Sox at Guaranteed Rate Field, 15 to 7. Also, Aaron Judge homered. And knocked in four, Anthony Rizzo had an RBI triple for the Yankees, who win by eight. Joan Moncada supplied a portion of the White Sox offense with a three-run home run. Not a good night for White Sox starter Dylan Cease had an interesting stat line. Four innings, six hits, six earned runs, but he struck out 11. Game two of the four-game set on the south side of Chicago. Tonight at 8-10, Vince Velasquez will pitch for the White Sox against the Yankees' ace Garrett Cole. At Comerica Park in Detroit, another disappointing day for the Tigers. The A's beat Detroit 5-3. Seth Brown broke a 3-3 eighth-inning tie with a two-run home run. Detroit, only six base hits in the ballgame. Willie Castro went one for four with an RBI. So the A's who entered this series having lost nine in a row leave Detroit winning four of five. Detroit will host the Baltimore Orioles tonight at 7-10. Eduardo Rodriguez will take the mound for the Tigers against the Orioles' Jordan Lyles. Also yesterday, the Astros cruised by the Twins 11-3. It was the Rangers 3 and the Royals 1. Midwest League action at 4 Winds Field in downtown South Bend. The South Bend Cubs' 8-game winning streak was halted by Fort Wayne. The 10 Caps shut out South Bend 5-0, same two teams. Tonight, 7.05 on WSBT Radio. Well, for the Irish baseball team, they will host... The Pittsburgh Panthers tonight at 6 o'clock in Game 1 of a three-game set. These will be the final regular season home games for the Irish at X Stadium. They anticipate hosting an NCAA regional in a few weeks. The Notre Dame softball team lost in Pittsburgh in the quarterfinal round of the ACC tournament. The fifth-seeded Clemson Tigers handed the fourth-seeded Fighting Irish a 7-3 defeat. That halts an eight-game winning streak for the Irish softball team, and they are 39-10 and 10 heading into the NCAA tournament. We move to the NBA playoffs. Round two action. One team has reached the Eastern Conference final. It is the Eastern Conference's top seed, the Miami Heat, down the Philadelphia 76ers on the road in game six. 99-90, to 90, Jimmy Butler had 32 for Miami. Joel Embiid, the 76ers star, kind of a quiet night with 20 points. Heat win the series four games to two. The Heat have now reached the Eastern Final in two of the last three years, and they will wait for the winner of the Boston-Milwaukee series to conclude. Game 6 of that series tonight. It is the Celtics in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks at 7:30. Former Irish guard Pat Connaughton and the Bucks have a 3 games to 2 series lead. In the Western Conference, the Dallas Mavericks have forced a game 7 at home Dallas cruised by the Phoenix Suns 113 to 86. The Mavs superstar Luka Doncic led the way with 33 points. So it'll be Dallas at Phoenix, Game 7 on Sunday. Also out west, the Grizzlies at Golden State facing the Warriors tonight at 10 o'clock. Golden State holds a 3-2 series lead. The National Hockey League playoffs will feature at least three Game 7s in round number one. Last night, the Boston Bruins on home ice turned back the Carolina Hurricanes 5-2. So Carolina will host Game 7 in that series on Saturday. It is hard to knock out the champ. The two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning tied it in the third and then won it in overtime. Lightning 4, Leafs 3, Toronto at home for Game 7 on Saturday. The Oilers took down the LA Kings on the road 4-2 last night, setting up a game seven in Edmonton on Saturday. The one series that concluded last night, it was the St. Louis Blues, just a few blocks from the arch, defeating the Minnesota Wild 5-1. Blues win the final three games of that series, and they take the round one tilt from the Wild, four games to two. So now tonight in the NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs three series that are three games to two could we have more game sevens well first off you've got the New York Rangers visiting the Pittsburgh Penguins former Irish forward Brian Rust and the Penguins have a three games to two series lead there is question about the status of the Penguins captain the great Sidney Crosby who left game number five with an injury and missed the second half of that hockey game. Rangers have to win tonight to force a game seven on their home ice on Sunday. Tonight at 7.30, it's the Florida Panthers at the Washington Capitals. The Panthers have won the last two games in the series to jump in front three games to two, this game six in the nation's capital. And also tonight, the Calgary Flames in Big D to take on the Stars. Calgary scored three in the third in game five to win 3-1. They'll try to move on in the Stanley Cup playoffs with a game six win in Dallas. And Rich Strike, the shocking winner of the Kentucky Derby, an 80-1 long shot. He will not win the Triple Crown because his owners are not going to let him run the Preakness. So Rich Strike out of the Preakness. And those are some of the things you might have missed while you were sleeping. It is 622. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Sportsbeat AM on this Friday morning, brought to you by Ghost Energy. Introducing the feel-good energy drink we've all been waiting for, featuring Sour Patch Kids-inspired flavors. And by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza, since 1978
1: welcome to sports beat AM with Darren Pritchett on sports radio 960 AM WSBT
3: 627 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT, Sports Beat AM on WSBT Radio on this Friday morning. Darren Pritchett with you. The NFL schedule came out last night. We'll take a look at the Bears' schedule at 7:05. But in week number one, we have some interesting matchoffs to kick off the brand new season. The first game, that Thursday night, September 8th game. It'll be on NBC. And we normally have the Super Bowl champion playing a home game, and that's the case this year. This was actually our My Five question of the day yesterday. What are the five biggest possibilities for the Rams' first game of the season to kick off the NFL campaign and went with the Bills at number one, and the NFL decided to go with a big splash in game number one. You've got the defending Super Bowl champions, The Los Angeles Rams at home taking on one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl this time around, the Buffalo Bills. So that'll be a great Thursday night opener for the NFL Bills at Rams. On Sunday, September the 11th, a couple of the 1 o'clock games of note. All of our local teams will play at 1 o'clock in Week 1, including the Chicago Bears at home taking on the San Francisco 49ers, Also at 1 o'clock, it is the debut of 38-year-old quarterback Matt Ryan coming over from the Falcons to play with the Indianapolis Colts. His first time putting on that horseshoe helmet will be on the 11th of September down in Houston against the Texans. So an AFC South road game for the Colts to start their campaign. Also, the Detroit Lions they're going to be at home to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Also, week one, 1 o'clock games. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, always a good divisional matchup. The Steelers have owned that series through the years. Bengals had the upper hand last year on their way to making it to the Super Bowl before falling to the Rams. Joe Burrow and the Bengals, a lot of expectations again this year. I think there's an expectation that the Bengals will take a step back this year. They've got a tougher schedule but an early test, and who starts at quarterback for the Steelers? Will it be the Bears' old friend, Mitchell Trubisky, or the first-round pick, Kenny Pickett? Also 1 o'clock in Week 1. New England has little luck down in Miami against the Dolphins. They just don't seem to win there, even when they had Tom Brady. Well, maybe they're getting that loss out of the way early. It is New England at Miami in Week 1. At 425 in Week 1, one of the games of note, Well, any matchup that involves a pair of AFC West teams will be must-see TV. Those four teams have the possibilities of being high-end squads all in the same division. It is the debut of Devontae Adams as a Las Vegas Raider. He'll open up at the Los Angeles Chargers. That kickoff will be at 425 in Week 1, the Sunday night opener on NBC you got to have the Cowboys sometime in primetime, right, in the opening week. That is the case. It'll be Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Dallas Cowboys Sunday night football. The new team of Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth will have the call. And we have one Monday night game this year. They're actually going to do a doubleheader in week two for Monday night football. But the opener... Monday Night Football Week 1. These two teams made a massive trade during the offseason as Russell Wilson was traded from Seattle to Denver. Drew Locke, the Broncos' quarterback, went back to Seattle. And what do you know? They will meet in the opening Monday night game of the year, Broncos at Seattle, Russell Wilson going back to Seattle for his first game as a Bronco. That could be quite interesting. It was funny yesterday listening to some of the coverage Every comment about Denver and Seattle, it's Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. No one seems to mention that the Broncos' starting quarterback is playing for Seattle. Now, that's not as big of a story, but also an interesting little storyline in this ballgame. So those are some of the week one matchups. Again, we'll take a look at the Bears' schedule coming up. In about 35 minutes at 7.05 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, it is 6.31 31.
1: This is Beat AM featuring a conversation with Blue and Gold Illustrated Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka.
3: Let's talk some fighting Irish football here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The NFL Draft in the rear view mirror. Kyle Hamilton, the Irish safety, goes number 14 overall to the Baltimore Ravens. Is there a chance another Irish safety could go in the first round next year? Seen a mock draft where the newcomer, Brandon Joseph, pops up in the first round. In fact, one mock draft has him going before Hamilton did this year at number 13 in next year's draft. Who would have thought that? Let's talk to Tyler about this very interesting player that joined the Fighting Irish from the Northwestern Wildcats. And Tyler, this was one of the coups, I think, of the offseason. The Irish able to get Joseph from Northwestern to join the secondary, helping to replace kyle hamilton first off let me just ask you what is kind of your expectation of what brandon joseph could mean to al golden's defense in 2022
5: highly important player and notre dame needs him to be that just based on what the secondary was going to look like if they didn't have a guy like kyle ham or like kyle Hamilton or brandon joseph for that matter and we got a glimpse of what that was going to be during the back half or last five games or so of the 2021 season, and Notre Dame held up pretty well. But let's be honest here, they weren't really facing a, a bunch of teams that were really going to test Notre Dame's secondary. Um, North Carolina, you know, right out of the gates was a big one, and Sam Howell did throw for a pretty good chunk of yards, but he also ran for a lot of yards, I and mean, they used Ty Chandler in the running game as well. So they were able to hold up because Notre Dame scored a bunch of points on the other end as well. So after that, I mean, they played Navy, they played Georgia tech, they played Stanford. And then obviously, you know, what happened in the fiesta bowl happened where Oklahoma state racked up a lot of yards. So all that to say this, Notre Dame needed a guy like Brandon Joseph, a former all American, a guy that surveys, you know, the entire width of the field, 53 yards, whatever it is, he can make plays from end to end. And Ramon Henderson, another Notre Dame safety, he showed some flashes of that. But you got to remember, this guy had played cornerback pretty much his entire life. Uh, He told me last fall that he had never played safety a day uh, in his football career until last October or November, whenever that was. So that's why Notre Dame went out and got a guy like that. And, you know, Al Golden is going to be very happy that the Irish were able to pull that one off uh, before how golden even came into the fray. So he, he walked in and Brandon Joseph was already there. That was really big for him. I think Joseph is going to be very important. He's going to be a guy that, you know, comes up with interceptions because that's what good safeties do, but he's also going to be a guy that can come up and make tackles in the running game can stop plays in their tracks when, you know, they get to that last level of the field of the Notre Dame defense. So, uh, Brandon Joseph is, is going to be going to have to be everything that Notre Dame brought him in for because you know that's just the type of player that he is.
3: Tyler, do you think there is a chance he could be one and done in South Bend?
5: Yeah, absolutely a chance, uh, but that's just totally dependent dependent on his play. I think the, you know some of those mock drafts that you're referencing. Obviously, the talent is there because of you know those things are already popping up and. You know, as I said earlier, he is a former All-American. This is a guy that at Northwestern was one of the best at his his position in the entire country. So the talent is there. Obviously, it's a little different when, you know, you come into a new environment and all those expectations that I just talked about, those are there. He feels them. He knows that they're there. So that's a little different. The the mental component comes into it a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see him – struggle a little bit because of those things you know he's wearing a new uniform he's around a bunch of new teammates new coaches all of those things that's a lot for someone who I'd have to check maybe he's 21 somewhere right around there Uh, you know he's still a pretty young guy so to be thinking NFL uh, obviously he is thinking it every single guy that you know the caliber to play at Notre Dame they're thinking about that next level but if I were Brandon Joseph I'd be worrying about just taking care of myself and taking care of what I need to do to perform at a high level for this football team. Because if he does that, the NFL thing will take care of itself. You know, those eyes are there. They know that if he plays well, he's going to make it to the next level. Could that be this time next year? Absolutely. But he's going to have to play really well this season for that to happen. And a guy with a good head on his shoulders like Joseph, I think he realizes that and he's going to make sure he does everything he has to do before we start talking about that at this time next year.
3: Notre Dame football conversation with Tyler Horka, the Fighting Irish Football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. Beyond Joseph and looking ahead the next year or two or maybe beyond, Tyler, how good does the safety room look for this Fighting Irish Football team?
5: I mentioned Henderson, and I'm going to throw another guy in there, Xavier Watts, who's kind of in a similar position. Uh, came over from the wide receiver room, you know, all these position changes and whatnot. It really feels like Notre Dame is trying to groom those two guys to be the future of that position. Because uh, you look at DJ Brown and Houston Griffith, two fifth year guys who quite frankly, I didn't really think would come back because of the Ramon Henderson and the Xavier Watts situation. But the fact that they did, uh, those two guys are going to play a lot this year. And I think, one of those two guys probably has a chance to even start over Henderson at the other safety spot against Ohio State in the season opener and beyond potentially uh, this fall in 2022. So those guys coming back I think is huge for Henderson and Watts just in the sense that, you know, they they need to learn from the likes of Brandon Joseph, the likes of uh, D.J. Brown, Houston Griffith, guys who have been in the battles out there. Uh, I think it would have been a tough spot to – uh, throw Henderson in this in a starting position against Ohio State just because, yeah, he got all that experience last year when Hamilton went out, but I think he's finally had a chance to sit back and realize, oh, man, this this what I'm trying to do is actually pretty tough. And, you know, if I get inside my own head here, I'm not going to perform up to standards. So the fact that he can kind of take a little bit of a deeper breath with Brown and Griffith and especially Joseph still in the mix, I think those guys are really going to benefit from that. I see those guys as the, uh, you know, the future of the safety position probably in 2023, obviously with some of, some of those other guys uh, on the depth chart in the mix. Uh, we're going to be talking about them a lot more this time next year, for sure. Once uh, potentially Joseph is gone, uh, Brown and Griffith as well. So uh, beyond that, obviously you want to talk to Mike Singer, and I know you do every week because mm-hmm. he'll, he'll tell you uh, the list of, uh, you know, safeties that I'm sure Chris O'Leary, Marcus Freeman, all of those coaches are uh, working to get, because I think with this recruiting kind of takeover that Freeman has uh, jump-started, the defensive backs, the quality of the defensive backs that Notre Dame is going to be able to get in here, I think it's going to improve tremendously. And with the way the game has gone, you need good DBs to to cover all these teams, especially – with Notre Dame playing Lincoln Riley and USC every year and Ohio State's on the schedule, of it, you know, the next couple years. Need good defensive backs. And I think Notre Dame's going to get them.
3: Tyler, a lot of changes on special teams. New special teams coach Jonathan Dorr has moved on, so there is a battle for the place-kicking duties. Now, the blue-goal game, we saw three missed field goals. It was a very windy day at Notre Dame Stadium do you have concerns about what the place-kicking game might look like for the Fighting Irish this fall?
5: I absolutely do, and that's not based on just what we saw in the blue-goal game. That's based on what Marcus Freeman said throughout the spring. Uh, There were practices where the media did not even get to watch, and we just simply talked to Freeman afterwards and tried to pry for any information that he could, and he said flat out after one of those that, he was not impressed with the kicking game, and that was going to have to improve. And then the fact that that manifested and showed up Saturday in the blue gold game, that's absolutely concerning that it's become a trend. Look, throughout the spring, it was a trend that kickers were missing kicks. And we saw that uh, in, in one of the open practices, there was a practice where we got to watch the entire thing and we saw some missed kicks. So you've got a sixth year guy in Blake group who came over from Arkansas State who he put more points on the board in an Arkansas State uniform than anyone that's ever played for that program. Obviously, Arkansas State isn't Notre Dame, and if you look at his numbers, he was still a little shaky. I think he was somewhere around 75%. And Look, Jonathan Dorr was right around there in his Notre Dame career, but I think there was a different sense about Dorr in the context of him going out for big kicks. He kind of felt like especially in that last season, he was going to make them. I don't know if Notre Dame has a guy on the roster where you send him out and you're just like, all right, Uh, overtime against Florida State, he's going to nail this. Last minute of the game against Virginia Tech, he's he's going to nail this. You need a guy that you have confidence can do that and can also make kicks throughout the course of the game. I think there's a little bit of a confidence issue right now, and I don't know. I've never been a collegiate kicker, so I don't know how you gain that over the course of a summer going into the fall. Because obviously these guys have been kicking footballs, you know, for most of their life, you know, at least since early high school, whatever. How do you take that next step in one summer? You know, there's three or four months left until that season opener against Ohio State and a big kick might have to be made. What do they have to do in those three or four months to make sure they make those kicks? I don't know, but it needs to happen because, yes, I do have concerns about those two guys.
3: Tyler, let me ask you about a story you wrote at Blue and Gold, illustrated com. It centers around the ACC possibly dropping divisions, and is there any chance Notre Dame has something to do with that?
5: Yeah, I think – and, look, it it might not have been Notre Dame, just Notre Dame. It could have been, you know, the ACC took on – whatever other team needed to join a conference and somehow, uh, you know, went on a run like Notre Dame did. And that's where Notre Dame comes in, in the sense that I don't think any, a lot of, any, a lot of other teams could have just plopped into the ACC for one year in 2020. Remember Notre Dame, this is the first time ever that they participated in a conference and it was because of, you know, all that crazy stuff that was going on with the COVID-19, pand- COVID-19 pandemic pandemic. They flop into the ACC for one year, and instead of the ACC throwing them in the Atlantic division or throwing them in the Coastal division and making one division with eight teams and one division with seven teams, they said, (laughs) no, we're just going to do a a, a large list of 15 teams, and the top two are going to play for the ACC championship at the end of the year. Well, Notre Dame was in that top two because they beat Clemson at home, number one team in the country, and Clemson was still in that top two, because that was the only loss that they had. And then obviously Clemson repaid the favor. Now you're sitting there with two one loss teams who beat each other, who were clearly two of the top four teams in the country, pretty much all season long. You can't really keep those two teams out of the playoff. They both get in. That's the first time ever the ACC had two teams in the college football playoff. Usually it was just Clemson, Clemson, Clemson every year well, you throw Notre Dame in there and they join the party because they had such a successful season. I think the ACC saw that and they said, okay, maybe Miami gets hot or Florida State gets hot and we have this same exact situation, you know, in the coming years to where we can get two teams in if those are the two teams playing each other in the ACC title game. I think Notre Dame did have a lot to do with that because they showed the conference, yeah, this can be done if we do it this other way.
3: Tyler Horka, he covers Fighting Irish Football, the beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can read his work at blueandgold.com. Ten minutes in front of 7 o'clock, I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Sports Beat AM brought to you by Ghost Energy and Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Five minutes in front of 7 o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Here comes our My Five question of today. What are the top five storylines to watch this weekend? Ladies and gentlemen,
0: this is number five.
3: We'll start with Notre Dame baseball. How sharp are they going to be with the Pittsburgh Panthers in town? Three-game set starting tonight at six o'clock at X Stadium. The Irish have only played one game in the last 13 days. That was on Tuesday when they routed Michigan State at home. So that's a good sign. Maybe that's the answer to our question. No rust, but one game in 13 days. That is not a lot of game action. So let's see how the Irish take care of business in their final regular season home series against the Panthers. Number four, I want to mention a former South Bend Cub pitcher. Now with the Chicago Cubs left-hander, Justin Steele. Had a very impressive first start. Gave the Cubs strong five innings of work. But ever since then, he has not been able to reach five innings or be as effective. His next five starts, he has gone anywhere between two and two-thirds innings and four and a third innings. His ERA has ballooned to 5.32. He's going to face the Diamondbacks in Arizona this weekend for the Cubs. So I'm just curious to see if there's a bounce back coming for Steele after a rough couple of weeks. Now, the D-backs were a pushover last year, they are not this year. They're actually over 500. The entire National League West is over 500 on May the 13th. So, can Justin Steele refine that form he showed us in his first start of the year? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, number three. It's May. Long way to go in the baseball season. Every game is important, but Sox taking on the Yankees. Four game set started last night. Not going to sit here and say it's everything. But you want to see how you stack up against the best. And the Yankees right now are the best team in Major League Baseball. Rough start to the series for the White Sox, losing 15-7 last night as the Bronx Bombers knocked around Dylan Cease at guaranteed rate field. So four-game set, Bronx Bombers, White Sox. What can the White Sox get done? How competitive can they be against the best team in baseball number two number two Irish hockey players in the Stanley Cup playoffs we started with three we still have three Ian Cole former Irish defenseman a part of that Carolina hurricane blue line lost last night in Boston a deciding game seven back in Raleigh tomorrow Ken Cole, who has won two Stanley Cups, get the Hurricanes past the Bruins. The Bruins have knocked the Canes out of the playoffs two times recently. Then you've got Brian Rust, the former Irish forward, playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Five points so far for Rust in the series. Pittsburgh will host the Rangers in game six tonight. If they win, they move on, lose, they go back to Broadway. They'll face the Blue Shirts on Broadway in a deciding Game 7, and you know the Garden will be wacko if that happens. And former Irish goaltender Cal Peterson, the backup goaltender for the L.A. Kings, they were pushed to a Game 7 last night as the Edmonton Oilers, the favorite in the series, won in L.A., so Kings and Oilers, a Game 7 tomorrow night. So how many former Irish hockey players will be playing in Round 2 of the playoffs? We'll find out this weekend. Number one. And the number one storyline to watch this weekend, Pat Connaughton, the former Irish guard. Can he get to the Eastern Conference Final? Monty Williams, the former Irish basketball player, head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Can he get Phoenix back to the Western Conference Final? Well, Connaughton has a little more wiggle room. He'll play game six at home against the Boston Celtics tonight. Milwaukee leads 3-2 if the Celtics grab that game. Still another chance for Connaughton and the Bucs to continue on in defense of their championship. Game seven would be in Boston. For Monty Williams and the Suns, it's been a homer series. Suns are 3-0 at home. Mavericks are 3-0 at home. Game seven will be in Phoenix This weekend, the Suns, it looked like they were going to win a championship last year, up two games to none against the Bucs, and then Milwaukee stormed back to win the series. Suns, best record in the NBA during the regular season. A lot of pressure on that Suns team, as they will host this weekend, Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks. That's our My 5 Question of the Day, the top five storylines to watch this weekend. It is 7 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. Another hour of Sports Beat AM Moments Away on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and on the free WSBT Radio app.
1: Welcome to
2: Sportspeed AM. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair.
1: It's the 7.05 T-Time. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, Tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to Sportsbeat AM on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT.
6: Better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!
3: A pleasant good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sportsbeat AM on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Friday, May the 13th of 2022. 57 degrees at 709. This hour of Sportsbeat AM on Sports Radio 960 WSBT is being brought to you by Ghost Energy. Introducing the feel-good energy drink we've all been waiting for, featuring Sour Patch Kids inspired flavors, and by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Pleasant good morning to everyone. Hopefully your Friday morning's off to a terrific start. We've got the Corona Premier golf show tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Tim Firestone and I will talk some golf here on WSBT radio NFL schedule is out. The NFL network always does a really good job of making it a special production, a special day on the NFL calendar. We now know the schedule for 2022 Bears football, Colts, Colts football on our WSBT radio stations once again. This fall, looking forward to more NFL action right here on WSBT radio as well with the primetime game. So a busy, busy year ahead. And oh, yeah, no, not football, too, on Saturdays. Can't forget that. So football seems like it's a long way away. But by golly, the summer, you know, will fly by and we'll be talking major football throughout the summer and into the fall here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So the schedule is set. Justin Fields, it is second season with the Chicago Bears. First season as the hopefully wire-to-wire starting quarterback for this football team. Bears moved up two years ago in the draft to grab the quarterback from Ohio State. I'm not sure he had the best rookie season from the standpoint of having offensive coaches around him that can get the most out of him. The Matt Nagy era is over, and now we got a brand-new coaching staff. And I have a feeling they're going to use Fields' skill set a whole lot more than Nagy did. I just don't understand why Fields isn't running the football a little more. I'm not saying he's going to run it as many times as Lamar Jackson would with the Baltimore Ravens. But there's an opportunity, man, with that skill set, physical speed, to do a little damage at the quarterback position. Curious to see how different the Bears' offense looks in 2022. So what does the Bears' schedule look like? couple of thoughts on all these games. Let's just run through it. We'll have a little fun this morning as we look forward to the upcoming Chicago Bears season as we get a first look at their 2022 schedule. All right, let's get rolling. Week number one, Soldier Field. The San Francisco 49ers come to town, and I think the Bears catch the Niners at a good time. The expectation is San Francisco will have Trey Lance as their starting quarterback. He was taken out of North Dakota State in last year's draft before Justin Fields came off the board. And this is going to be his first go-around as the full-time starting quarterback. Now, they still have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster. They were unable to trade him, at least so far in the offseason. So you get Lance early in the year. Sure, there might be some things you're not expecting from the 49ers offense in that first game. You have to deal with that. But I think I would take my chances against Trey now compared to later on in the season when he has more snaps under his belt. But that is not an easy first game as the Niners made it to the NFC Championship game last year. Week two, Bears fans, I'm not being mean. This is more reality, but Aaron Rodgers has kind of owned the Chicago Bears, and maybe you just get this one out of the way. You go to Lambeau to take on the pack Sunday night football in week two. Week three, Lovey Smith comes back to Soldier Field, the former Bears head coach who got them to the Super Bowl before losing to the Colts on a rainy night in Miami. It'll be the Bears hosting the Houston Texans September 25th Week three, then in week four, the G-Men are going to be hosting the Chicago Bears. At that point, Daniel Jones will still be the starting quarterback for the Giants. Fifth year option, not picked up. Giants want to see what Mr. L- Mr. Daniel Jones can do before they sign him to a long-term contract. They've given him a better offensive line and better personnel around him. Bears at Giants in week four. If you're going to make the playoffs, that's a game the Bears need to win. Week number five, divisional game at the Minnesota Vikings. Then October 13th, week six, the Washington Commanders come to Soldier Field. Carson Wentz, now the starting quarterback for Washington. Does that scare you, Bears fans? Now, of note in this game, that Thursday, October 13th, Bears home game against Washington from a television standpoint, only available on Amazon Prime Video. Don't forget Bears football right here on our WSBT radio stations once again this fall, Z94.3 FM. But that is one of those Thursday night games that might be tough to see. Week 7. After playing on Thursday, October 13th, a little extra time off. The Bears play Monday, October 24th in Foxboro against the New England Patriots. Week 8, you follow up that trip to New England by going to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. The greatest quarterback ever to play in the history of the NFL, based on the number of times he's talked about on ESPN. Dak Prescott will try to torch the Chicago Bears defense. How about that stretch of games? Four road games in five weeks for the Bears at the Giants. You go at the Vikings. You come home to take on the Commanders at New England at Dallas. That's a key stretch. Can you get out of that 3-2 and if you do? That's a win for the Bears. Week 9, Sunday, November the 6th, the Miami Dolphins come to Soldier Field. Hopefully it'll be a little cool for our friends from South Florida. Tua Viola still the quarterback for the Dolphins. They believe that Tua can continue to improve. They've got their new toy in Tyreek Hill, acquired from the Kansas City Chiefs in a major offseason deal. Dolphins are a football team that feel like they're in the middle of the pack. With that being said, again, if you want to be a playoff team in Chicago, that's a game at home You got to win. Let's go to week 10, and the first time the Bears get a look at the Detroit Lions. The Lions come to Soldier Field on Sunday, November the 13th. Not many divisional games early on for the Chicago Bears. You've got Minnesota in week five, and the second is that matchup against the Lions in week 10, week 11. This game looks, to me, more winnable than it did a couple of months ago. The Chicago Bears at the Atlanta Falcons. You don't have to worry about Matt Ryan at quarterback. He's now an Indianapolis Colt. Marcus Mariota is now the quarterback for the Falcons. How long will he be the starting quarterback? A, he gets hurt a lot. B, they drafted Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. You know, the Falcons are a team that are susceptible. They've taken steps back the last few years, so that is a possible road steal for the Chicago Bears. They follow up the trip to Atlanta by going back to MetLife Stadium for a second time this year, this time to take on the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. There's a little bit of optimism from the men in green because of their draft. Zach Wilson, second-year quarterback. Can he make a big jump in year two? The Jets are hoping so. Bears at Jets Sunday, November the 27th. Week 13, the Chicago Bears wrap up their seasonal series against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. No Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers is so good at making everybody better around him. This might be his best Houdini act without Devontae at wide receiver. The Bears get their bye late in the year. I have a feeling they're probably okay with that. Week 14 is the bye. That is the Sunday, December the 11th portion of the schedule. So the Bears in week 15 will welcome the Philadelphia Eagles to Soldier Field. All I can think of is the fog game way back when between the Eagles and the Bears at Soldier Field. Devonte Smith, A.J. Brown, the dynamic wide receiver duel for the Eagles. That'll be a good challenge for that Bears secondary. Jalen Hurts, can't wait to see what he does this year. More weapons to play with. We know he can run the football at a high level. How far can the passing game take the Philadelphia Eagles? We move along in the Bears' schedule. Week 16, one of the best teams in the National Football League comes to Soldier Field. It is Christmas Eve, Saturday, December the 24th. It'll be the Buffalo Bills at the Chicago Bears. Josh Allen, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL. That Bills defense is stout. Kind of curious to see if they can improve the running game outside of Allen. Grabbing that pigskin and running with it. But Bills and Bears, that's a fun 1 o'clock game. On Christmas Eve, there's going to be football in the NFL on New Year's Day this year. Sunday, January the 1st, we kick off 2023 with the Chicago Bears in Motown, taking on the Detroit Lions. And the final game of the regular season for the Chicago Bears, Sunday, January 8th. What will be on the line for the Bears in that game? Remember, now seven teams make the postseason in each conference. The NFC is down right now. There's a chance to make a move if you're the Chicago Bears. And this is a game you got to win as the Vikings come to Soldier Field. So for my money, the key stretch for that Bears football team, week four through week eight, that is when they go on the road four times in five games. Giants, Vikings, Patriots, Cowboys with the commanders at home smack dab in the middle. Like I said a moment ago, if you can get out of that three and two, you're a playoff contender. Anything worse, you've got some work to do. That's not an easy stretch, but the Giants are beatable. The Vikings are beatable. New England, by the name and by the logo on the helmet, looks scary. I don't think they're an elite team in the AFC. Tough to go to Foxboro. Not saying it's impossible. I'd still lean toward the Patriots, but I wouldn't be totally scared if I'm the Bears. At Dallas, you never know about Dallas because they are so overhyped by the national media. They're a good football team. Again, not invincible. I'd rather play the Cowboys than a lot of teams in the AFC. So that's a look at the Bears' schedule. Week 4 through Week 8, the key stretch for me. They close out with Vikings and Lions. Hey, that's that's doable. If you've got possibilities to make the postseason, you've got some good chances to post some late-season wins. By the way, also the preseason schedule is out. Only three games in the preseason. The Bears will host Kansas City. Saturday, August 13th, Thursday, August 18th at Seattle, Saturday, August 27th at Cleveland. So the final preseason game on August 27th, the season opener Sunday, September the 11th, the Bears taking on the San Francisco 49ers. That's a look at the Bears schedule. I'm ready to kick it off now. Let's go. 723 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Welcome to Sportsbeat AM. Pritchett had coverage on Brian Thomas. With Darren Pritchett on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT.
3: Woo! 28 minutes after 7 o'clock. Welcome back to Sportsbeat AM on 960 AM WSBT. A live stream at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. One programming note, this is going to be the final morning of SportsBeat AM. Starting Monday morning from 6 until 9, we're going to bring you ESPN Radio's Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. I am moving back to afternoons where I spent a couple of decades. You can catch me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports starting Monday from five until seven o'clock on Sports Radio 960. WSBT, also that live stream, as I just mentioned, at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. It's been great doing this program. The last year it's been a lot of fun to create this program, but we've got ESPN Radio's Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. They're going to be on our airwaves from 6 until 9 weekday mornings. That starts on Monday, and I hope you'll join me as I make the flip back to afternoons. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Monday through Friday from 5 to 7. I know my good friends from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, they're going to be making the switch with me to afternoons here on WSBT Radio. Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, he is locked in. He'll join me. Every Tuesday at 607 to talk Fighting Irish Football Recruiting. Also the Beat Reporter, Notre Dame Football for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Tyler Horka will join me every Wednesday at 607. So the Blue and Gold crew making the switch with me to afternoons. Hope you will as well. So again, starting on Monday, I'll talk to you from five until seven back on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Here on WSBT Radio. John Hoffman standing by with a sports center update you'll hear from John in 30 seconds on WSBT. It is 7:36 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT coming up on the program. At 8.35, Deb O'Connor from the Whirlpool Corporation to talk about some of the things happening surrounding the Senior PGA Championship at Harbor Shores in Benton Harbor, Michigan. May 25th through the 29th, some of the great senior golfers will be converging at Harbor Shores with that major championship on the line. So Deb will join me at 8.35. We'll talk some sports wagering at 8.20. And coming up in about 30 minutes at 8.05, South Bend Cubs broadcaster Brendan King will join the program. We'll talk some minor league baseball and things happening right now with the South Bend Cubs. We're in the midst of a 12-game homestand, and they are 8-1 so far on the homestand with another game coming up tonight at 7.05 on WSBT radio right now we continue the local sports talk on Sportsbeat AM I'm Darren Pritchett Bodie Bender is the new head basketball coach of the Mishawaka Cayman he played his basketball went to school at Jimtown High School from 1997 to 2001 the last four years Bodie was in charge of the Carroll program down in Flora and each of the four years Their record got better, including this year, a terrific season for Carroll as they went 24-2 and made it all the way to semi-state in Class 2A where they lost in that semi-state tilt at Northside Gym in Elkhart. So you could say Bodie Bender coming back home to the area, the Gymtown grad is now the boys' basketball coach at Mishawaka, replacing Ron Heklinski, who retired at, after the conclusion of this past season. So, a new man in charge of the Mishawaka boys' basketball program, Bodie Bender. Bodie was on with Sean Styers on Budweiser's weekday sports beat to talk about this new opportunity. Bodie Bender, the new head basketball coach at Mishawaka High School.
6: I mean, what's a, what's a day like this like? For you, you know, you kind of whisked around. You come in, and you've got a press conference, and I think you met with the team after the press conference, and now you All got right. the, you know, the school board tonight. What's what's this day kind of been like for you?
4: Um, it's it's exciting, um, a new challenge. Um, you know, obviously doing the press conference at the cave, and um, you know, like I've I've told some people already um, after the press conference. You know, you go through the sectional, you go through the regional, you go through the semi-state. And you, you might have a one-on-one, or you might have, you know, a phone <laughs> interview like this. Man, that's that's about as cutthroat as I've had as far as an interview with I don't know, two or three TV stations. There, you were up there, um, you know, and then you know Chuck Freeby was there. So right. we had a bunch of people there, and it, it was it was uh, a little cutthroat for me, um, <laughs> but it was fun, um, and just I'm I'm just looking forward to get going here.
6: Yeah, what was that what was that first meeting with the team like after the after uh, the was, press conference?
4: It was good. I, you know, went in the locker room, talked to the kids a little bit, um, had them fill out something, um, you know, a little information for me, so it will help me start to get get to know the guys, get to know some names, um, and then I handed them the June schedule and, um, you know, told them, uh, you know, get get ready to go mentally. Um, obviously, I'm sure there's going to be some changes as far as style play uh, a little bit uh, as we get into June and. Told them we're going to play a lot. And I said, uh, you know, we have weights in the morning. I'll be there. And, uh, you know, it's important to get in there and start lifting and, sure. and getting our bodies right for the basketball season.
6: So so describe Bodie Bender's program. What would you say is kind of the foundation of your program? Uh,
4: for us, and, and, you know, my last couple years at Carroll, actually even the first year at Carroll uh, in eighteen nineteen, 19 um, I would say we started on the defensive end. Um, we really, um, emphasized what we were going to do defensively. And I, I think we really just brought it along offensively, especially this last year with what we did, uh, you know, statistically, uh, on the offensive end. And, you know, I, I just think we have to have a foundation. I think the foundation is, uh, on the defensive end. Um, but you know, I'm going to let guys play offensively too. I'm not sure. going to say, you know, defense, 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 but, uh, you know, we built it on the defensive end and then went from there. And, um, you know, it just it, it built from there. And then, obviously, we had the results we had this year.
6: Bodie Bender with us, the new Mishawaka Boys basketball coach, introduced at a press conference earlier today. And that's kind of like you go from you were 9-12 in your first season, got gradually better every year you were there. In the four years you were at Carroll, to, you know, up to 24-2, and two this year. Is is that essentially how you were able to get things turned around so quickly, kind of what you just talked about, starting it with, with that base of defense, or was there something more to that?
4: Yeah, I, I think it was, uh, you know, starting on, on the defensive end and then as we started to become a little bit more skilled offensively, um, I would say we weren't quite as structured. We opened it up a little bit, um, allowed kids to play a little bit more freely, um, and you know, from that, that I, I would say again that was a result from being twenty-four and two this year, and and uh, having a an unbelievable run through the postseason.
6: Well, and that's something that I heard you say at your press conference today that there were times in the huddle where you'd kind of look at the kids and say, "What do you What do you think we should do here?" Or, or you know, "What do you want to do here?" And that's something that I think not every coach is, is always comfortable doing. Right. You know, to be quite right. honest, where does where does that kind of trust come from? I guess.
4: I guess as you
6: start to become
4: more familiar um, and, and gain that, you know, relationship, build that relationship with kids, that's where that trust came from. And, um, you know, I thought we did not just myself, but as a staff, we did a good job of building those relationships with kids, um, allowing a little bit more of those freedoms on the on the, the basketball court. And, you know, we had smart kids. <laughs> and when you have smart kids, that makes it a little bit easier to trust some of the decisions they made.
6: Yeah. That Carol job was your first as a head coach. You had, again, four seasons over there. So what are maybe – what's the most important thing or things that you know about being a head coach now that you didn't know four years ago going in?
4: Oh, man. Uh, There's probably a laundry list of stuff. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, but I I think the biggest thing is having a structure. Um, I I thought we – you know, when I first started, I always had a structure – but I, I think what people don't realize as a head coach, uh, and I, I've told this to to other other coaches that you don't realize that, you know, you come in and, and it could be in the middle of the season. You have three or four things you need to get done around, you know, teaching your classes or whatever, and you may show up on a Monday and you got to get these four things done before practice. And then all of a sudden you got three more things that showed up on Monday that you got to take care of right. that you didn't realize would. So now you got seven or eight things you got to take care of. So uh, I would, I would say, and, and you're always told this when you're going to get a basketball job that time management—you just don't realize it until you actually jump, you know, in the hot seat and, and really figure it out.
6: Yeah, exactly. No kidding. Well, you know, you beat the number one team in the state, Monroe Central, in the regional championship right. game there at Carroll this year, and it had been like what, ten, eleven years since Carroll had even won a sectional. What was that whole experience like for you and in, in the school oh, and the community? My God. Um, Yeah, you know, so we played
4: that game, uh, down over in lapel, um, uh, which was an absolute unbelievable atmosphere. Um, and like you said, they were ranked number one, they were 25 and oh, um, I think we were 23 and one coming in. Um, you know, and I thought you know, we had a good shot at winning this thing. I thought, uh, you know, athletically we had a good chance, um, but to really, you know, really kind of put it on them. I, I think it was what the final was forty four twenty three. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and we made it. We made it difficult on them defensively. Um, you, you know, you, you finally at the end of the game. You know, winning a sectional is unbelievable, and it. it
6: uh oh. Can you still hear you know, me? To win, oh, there we go. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, you, I can you, hear you it. cut uh, out for a couple seconds there. so no, <laughs> you, I, you had just said I, you had just said winning a sectional is unbelievable. Something something along those no. lines.
4: <laughs> okay, so winning a sectional is unbelievable, but when you go try, you know, you got to go win two games in one day in the regional. Right. Um, you know, like I told one newspaper reporter after the game, it's undescribable. Um, all the emotions kind of start coming out afterwards from a long week of preparing. Um, X and Oing, uh, talking to this media outlet, talking to that media outlet, trying to get things arranged with your, um, you know, athletic director for the weekend. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It was, it was an indescribable feeling, and and I think like also that I, uh, like also what I said at the press conference, I hugged more people on the floor after that <laughs> game than I hugged at my wedding a couple of years ago. You know, so I I say that rather jokingly. Right. Um, so yeah.
6: Right. As far as your wife knows, anyway, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, you know, you are you're you're back closer to home again. You're, you 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 played in high school at Jimtown, but was it hard to you know to leave after an experience like that? Um,
4: yeah, I mean, there's always it's always bittersweet. Uh, you know, we have one senior this year. Everybody's back. The three leading scorers are back. So I think what I am proud of is. I've left the program in a, in a better spot. Sure. Um, and they're going to, they're going to find a good coach. Um, so yeah, it was a little bittersweet, but you know, nothing Trump's coming home being around family, um, you know, having your, your uh, new little one around their grandparents more. So that's obviously exciting for me. And and I I believe it's also exciting for my wife as
6: well. Well, yeah, and you said something to the effect of, you know, the family can drive 15 minutes instead of, what, an hour and a half or something like that. (laughs) They want to come see a game. So that's pretty cool, obviously, too. Bodie Bender with us, new Mishawaka boys basketball coach. And you played for Randy Deshawn there at Jimtown, and Mm -hmm. you coached under him when you were an Mm -hmm. assistant Is as well, what are maybe some of the, the the things that you learned from him along the way?
4: Uh,
6: can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. Go ahead and ask
4: that last part. You cut out for a yeah. second.
6: There. What are some of the things that you uh, most important things you learned from Deshone along the way?
4: Oh man, I, I would say his structure, uh, not only with practice and his you know his his attention to detail and, and how he would break down film and scouting reports. Um, where things have, you know, were just unbelievable. And I, I think when I got my first job at Carroll, I tried to take some of those same things. Um, I thought our staff and our staff grew over the last couple of years. I added more coaches, um, you know, and I, I think they really did a good job of really hopping on board of, of what I brought and, and piggyback off of that. Actually, some of their scouting reports became better than mine. It was unbelievable. <laughs> they, were, they were so detailed, you know? So um, I would say those are the biggest things. And, and I would say another one that he he was really good at communicating with kids.
3: Some of the comments of new Mishawaka boys basketball coach Bodie Bender comes from Carroll High School down in Florida where he had that great run last year. You heard him say three leading scores back from that team that made it to semi-state last season are going to be ready to roll once again this year while he takes over the Mishawaka Cayman basketball program. Best wishes to Bodie Bender and his new venture. 748, our sports speed AM Twitter question of the day is on the way from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. on this Friday the 13th, Sportsbeat AM on WSBT Radio. Darren Pritchett with you. This is our Sportsbeat AM Twitter question of the day. Yesterday on my Twitter account at Sportsbeat AM, I asked this question. Which former Notre Dame athlete turned broadcaster do you enjoy listening to the most? Your four choices, former Irish offensive lineman Aaron Taylor, now a college football analyst on CBS Sports Network. Ryan Harris, another former Irish offensive lineman, now the analyst on the Notre Dame Radio Network for Irish football contests. Former Irish quarterback Brady Quinn, a part of the Fox Sports TV and radio family. And from the basketball side, Lafonso Ellis, now a part of the college game day crew and college basketball coverage in general on ESPN. Fourth in the voting at 10.7% is Aaron Taylor, who's really, really good at breaking down tape and talking football. You probably don't run into him as much since he's on CBS Sports Network. I'm not quite sure how much that channel is watched by you the football fan but Aaron does a good job and one of the new members of the college football hall of fame Aaron got 10.7 percent of the vote a voice you hear on Notre Dame football Saturdays on WSBT radio analyst Ryan Harris third place in the voting at 12.3 percent the top two were nip and tuck all day second place in the voting the old quarterback, Brady Quinn, at 37.7% of the vote, and the winner, the former Notre Dame athlete-turned-broadcaster you enjoy listening to the most, the Fonz. LaFonzo Ellis squeaks by Brady Quinn with 39.3% of the vote. There were some good choices there. A couple of people said, I like all four, but LaFonso edges out Brady for our vote. Let's get to today's Sports Sportsbeat AM question of the day. You'll get the results Monday afternoon on Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat. So here we go with today's question. We'll stick with a little TV broadcasting. A lot of changes with NFL TV crews. The big boys are moving around. A lot of cash being put into bank accounts. Here is today's question. Your best guess and some of these combinations you already know about, but who do you think will be your favorite NFL broadcast team this year? Four choices. This is a brand new crew. They're going to be on Amazon Prime Video on Thursdays. The great Al Michaels joined by Kirk Herbstreit. Your second choice. You've known them on Fox for two decades. They are now the voices of ESPN's Monday Night Football, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Choice number three. These two guys have been together a little bit. Now full-time Sunday Night Football on NBC, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. And the fourth choice. This is a duel you've known the last few years on CBS, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. So who do you think will be your favorite NFL broadcast team this year? Amazon Prime's Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. Monday Night Football on ESPN with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. The new Sunday Night Crew on NBC, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. And the old duo on CBS, Jim Nance. And Tony Romo. Again, I'll be moving to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Monday from five to seven. So I will pass along the results of the question at that time and ask a brand new Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day. You can vote now. You can vote throughout the day on my Twitter account at SportsBeatAM758. That's going to wrap up the 7 o'clock hour of the program. Brought to you by Ghost Energy and Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 7 minutes after 8 o'clock. Sportspeed AM continues on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the South Bend Cubs. Sports Radio 960 WSBT streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Well, it's been quite the homestand for the South Bend Cubs. Back-to-back weeks of home games at Four Winds Field, just a couple of blocks away from our new broadcast facilities here in downtown South Bend. The Cubs had won the first eight, lost 5-0 to Fort Wayne last night, but great start to the homestand. Eight and one with another matchup against the Padre affiliate coming up tonight. At 7.05 right here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage will start at 6.45. And behind the microphone tonight will be Brendan King. And he joins me here on Sports Beat AM on WSBT Radio. BK, good to catch up with you. How are you, my friend?
2: What's up, Darren? Great to catch up with you, too. And, um, no man, it has been quite the homestand, as you know. Uh, eight in a row in the Midwest League is not an easy thing. And you know, last night Fort Wayne gets us back five nothing, but it was a solid start with that sweep of Peoria, and then the first two against Fort Wayne, and then Tuesday a walk off win. Matt Mervis that home run. So the team has been having fun, and uh, you know it's it's one of those things too, Darren, where uh, Cedar Rapids the top team in the West, Wisconsin is right in front of us, and they have been winning just as much as we have. So uh, they have not lost over the last week either. So there's been no ground made up, and then both Cedar Rapids and Wisconsin winning last night. So that'll happen, but uh, just a chance tonight to start a new streak.
3: Well, there are some really interesting prospects on this South Bend come roster and and some pretty good players that started the year in South Bend. And a guy that I had the chance to watch last year after the Chris Bryant deal was Alexander mm-hmm. Canario. And last year, from my perspective, you saw the upside. You saw the power. There were a lot of holes in his swing last year, but he's a young kid playing, I would say, above his age level, high A ball in South Bend last year. You had the chance to see him early on this season, and it seems like some of those holes have been filled and the power continues to show off.
2: Yeah, I mean, before he gets called up now to the Tennessee Smokies, how do you like a 20-game on Bay Street <laughs> and four consecutive games with a home run as you go to the Southern league, you know, it took him a minute, Darren, to get going. And this is something you also know very well, cold weather in the Midwest league. It's an adjustment for guys. And over the first two weeks, I think there was only one day above 70 and that was actually an 83 degree day at four Winds field. So it took a while to warm up. This week is beautiful, but, Every guy handles that a little bit differently. And he was hitting 176 going into a six-game away series against Quad Cities. By the time that six-game away series was done, he was hitting 290. So, and that's not something, right, where he just got a couple hits and that average went up 100 points. He was getting four or five at-bats a day. He went in unbelievable – 16 for 32 hmm. in Quad Cities and now gets the call to Tennessee and his second game in Tennessee, uh, Peyton Remy, former South Bank Cub, just let a no hitter. So he was welcome to the Smokies and the Cubs will miss him. But again, this is a very deep team with an outfield that stretches four or five deep. So I'm sure the Cubs will be fine.
3: I remember in 2015, there was this young kid by the name of Glaber Torres who had never played in cold weather before. He had all types of issues in April playing in cold weather, but then when it warmed up, things got a whole lot better. Well, Canario's a guy that seems to be more on the radar as a possibility for – the Cubs roster in the future, and you never give up on kids. I learned that the hard way with Nelson Velasquez. When he first came to South Bend for a cup of coffee, I mean, it was swing and miss, swing and miss. He came back, struggled, came back another time in 2019, and he started to figure it out, became an offensive weapon, a part of that championship team. And now, Brennan, we have seen Nelson Velasquez go all the way to AAA Iowa. He got off to a terrific start to his season at A Tennessee. I guess we look at the future of the Cubs as they continue to build toward being a playoff team. Maybe again in 2024, you got Seiya Suzuki. We know Brendan mm-hmm. Davis is going to be there. There's going to be a spot open because Hayward's contracts going to run out next year. I'm just curious what you think about the possibility of Canario or Velasquez possibly being on the Chicago Cubs in a factor in 2024. Is that realistic?
2: Mm, that's a good question.
3: I think, Velasquez is getting
2: a hell of an opportunity right now, Darren, yeah. because Donnie DeWeese was the guy that got hurt that opened the roster spot. And I'm sure you read Brennan Davis, unfortunately just got placed on the injured list. Yeah. Apparently he's been having some back issues, tightness. So the opportunity's there for Nelson Velasquez. And I remember exactly what you were talking about when he got the opportunity in 2018, it, he had to go back to Eugene yeah. to go figure it out, which Thankfully, he did. I think he was a Northwest League all-star that year. So, you know, he was able to go back to short season ball. But, man, in 2019 on that playoff run, I mean, staple him in the lineup every day for Buddy Bailey. And uh, that success has followed from there. And now, again, here you go. Here it is, that A. If he is able to hit, there is no reason why. Um, he cannot go up to the Chicago Cubs and have success. Canario, similar thing. And you remember how big Nelson got, too. Oh, yeah from that 2018 to 2019 stretch. I think Canario, he is still growing into his body. As crazy as that sounds because he came back this year monstrous, but I still think he's got some work to do in the gym and once he get gets up to that Nelson level with that body type, I mean that that is going to be scary. So, yeah, the outfield depth and opportunities for the future is is leaps and bounds um for the Chicago Cubs right now and, and even here at South Bend, you know, our guy Cole Roeder is back. Um, Jordan Wogu, who is the third-round pick of the Chicago Cubs in 2020, he is now in this outfield. know Hendrick Pinyango is only 20 years old. He's play, pretty much playing left field every day now. So um, it, it's an exciting time in the Cubs' outfield process.
3: BK, I'm having a brain cramp, and you're going to rem- know who I'm talking about because he's left the Cubs organization. But he was Theo Epstein's right-hand man in charge of the draft for a long time. I can't think of his name, but he mentioned when Nelson Velasquez got drafted, he was the most uh, well-rounded toolbox-type guy in that particular draft. And I think Nelson, what was he, fifth round when he was drafted? Yeah. So already back then they felt like they had something in Nelson Velasquez, South Bend Cup broadcaster, Brendan King, my guest. I know you haven't had a chance to see a whole lot of this guy, but I think he had a pretty good spring training and Owen Casey is 20 years old. They got him from the San Diego Padres, if I'm not mistaken, a part of the U Darvish deal. I know the mm-hmm. offense a little slow so far this year, but can you offer a thought or two on what could be in front of Owen Casey and his possibilities in this Cubs organization?
2: Yeah, and just to go back to your prior point, I think that was Jason McCloud. you're yes, thinking of Yes, no?
3: thank you. Yep.
2: Yeah, but um, Owen Casey, uh, you know, Darren, as you know, watching the game at the youth level with your son, Coop, um, it, it's becoming all part exit velo, bat speed, uh, launch angle, and, I mean, you talk about a guy that was born for launch angle. It's Owen Casey who just smacked his first Midwest League home run um, the other day as the Cubs walked off the tin cast on Matt Mervis's uh, home run. Prior to that was a grand slam by Owen Casey. So that's his first Midwest league home run. Yeah. I, and I think the cold weather had something to do with it. I think him being 19 years old in the Midwest league at the high a level had something to do with that. I mean, Darren, we saw guys who were 18, 19, 20 in low A, you know, struggle in the Midwest league to, to open things, but uh, you know, talking with Lance Rymel, South Bend Cubs manager, you know, Owen Casey is a guy that hit 360 in the Arizona League uh, just about a year ago. So Lance, who is as a cool customer as they come, um, he is not worried in the slightest about Owen Casey. And you know, maybe this will be good for him by the end of it. You know, it's it's a 19-year-old who probably has not faced a lot of adversity in his baseball career prior. You know, he was a high draft pick of the Padres you know how much San Diego likes those young prospects. I mean, they were putting 17-year-olds in the Midwest League at one point um, with Fort Wayne, and he gets traded. He's the centerpiece um, prospect-wise of that deal for you, Darvish. So it's going to take some time, and which is fine because you have the guys like the Canarios and the Velasquez and, and the Davises to headline that outfield class, that new outfield class that's going to be at Wrigley soon. You know, Casey's more on the raw side, but, man, Darren, when he puts the bat in the ball and you're looking at the iPad at BP, mm-hmm. it leaves you your, your eyebrows raising you're like, man, mm-hmm. that, this is something. So he's going to be fun. I
3: want to ask you about one more outfielder, and you mentioned him a moment ago, Cole Roeder, a part of the 2019 Midwest League Championship team. We know about pitchers going through Tommy John surgery, but not very often do you hear about yeah. a position player going through that surgery. Cole had the surgery, I would guess, just about a year ago. What has been the key to getting Cole back on the field? And I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him about the rehab process and battling his way back now to being on the field here in South Bend.
2: Yeah, you know what? When he went to go get his picture taken, his new headshot taken by Chris Hagstrom and crew, uh, he was wearing a, a shirt, one of those obvious shirts with the sayings on it, <laughs> and it, it said, rehab sucks. <laughs> period. Oh, <God. laughs> but you know he is. Uh, you know him well. He is as giddy as ever. He's as excited as ever. I mean, his parents just texted me the other day saying they're booking a trip for the first week of June. So, so nothing is different. Um, the I guess the only difference in Cole is that he is much bigger and uh, he is older than the last time we saw him. Nineteen years old in Midwest League in 2019, and he played 20 games with the Cubs last year. You know too, okay. but. And that was quick and then needed to have that TJ surgery. But I think the road back for Cole, um, he has worked outstanding at bats um, in a short time back with the South Bend Cubs. And, you know, he told Max Toma on the field in the post game interview just the other day that he is now wearing the sports goggles, sports glasses. And hmm. he says his vision his vision at the plate. He has never seen the ball better. So, the Cubs decided to take him to the optometrist and they realized, Hey, let's throw some glasses on you. And he says he's never seen it better out of a pitcher's hand. And the at-bats he is working, Darren, it's three, two, pretty much every AB. I mean, he is fouling away pitches. He is waiting on it. I mean, of course he has had, you know, some quick at-bats, but the the amount of three, two at-bats we've seen from Cole is is spectacular. So, it, you know, what's interesting, too, about Cole, Darren, is he is now no longer, by MLB Pipeline considered a top-30 prospect, which mm. is wild when you look at he was a top-10 prospect at one point. So, um, did the surgery hurt him a little when it comes to a national perspective? Yes, but there is absolutely nothing about Cole Rotor that has changed from a Cole perspective.
3: He learned the 3-2 count from Derna. Tyler Derna was Mr. 3-2 yeah. count in his time with The South Bend Cubs, and I saw recently he retired. He was a good dude to be around. Hey, one more for you. Ed Howard, Uh first-round pick of the Chicago Cubs in 2020 out of the suburbs of Chicago. Sounds like he got a little banged up the other day.
2: Yeah, you know, we don't know the extent of what happened. Um, There is some more information on Twitter, but, you know, I I really do not know, so I probably shouldn't form an opinion on it. But I can say – that the situation that happened, he collided with Fort Wayne first baseman, Jack Stronick uh, went down on the field and was in some serious pain. He needed to be helped off by um, Cubs manager, Lance Rymel, and athletic trainer, Seth Platt. But he, he was placed on the seven day injured list, but you know, you just hope that he's okay. <laughs> when you look at the last week, I mean, Darren, it's a tough week to be a Cubs prospect at Howard on the injured list. Nico Horner, uh, he got banged up in San Diego. Brennan Davis is now on the injured list. So, That is tough, I mean, when you look at some of the bright stars in the Cub organization. But he was really just starting to come along with the bat too, Darren. And it's funny you mentioned Glaber Torres earlier. Uh, I feel like Ed was the complete opposite when dealing with cold weather in the Midwest League. His glove was rock solid. Mm -hmm. I think he only made three errors in 25 games, and he made every play that came to him. It was his bat that kind of got off to the slower start. But he was really starting to hit it harder. He was really starting to hit it more consistent. So, you just hope that Ed's okay and that he can come back and continue uh, to impact the Cubs roster.
3: BK, obviously us guys from Illinois are just a little tougher, can handle that cold weather better than, you know, other (laughs) guys. Exactly. Well, he he actually went to my (laughs) rival
2: high school. So, we were were catching up about high school baseball in the Chicago suburbs uh, in Fort Wayne a
3: couple weeks ago. Yeah, good baseball up there, to say the least. Brendan, what's in store for south bend cub fans tonight coming out to four Winds field to watch the cubs and the Tin caps or maybe something this weekend that stands out
2: yeah darren 705 with the first pitch tonight and actually the pitching matchups over the next two days gonna be pretty good jordan wicks uh cubs first round pick from last year on the mound tonight and then dj hers another top 10 prospect he'll be on the bump tomorrow at 405
3: all right very good brandon will be on the call This weekend on WSBT Radio, good to catch up with you and looking forward to chatting with you on Fridays. As I move back to afternoons, we'll we'll talk it up before some South Bend Cub home games. So fans have the latest on these Cub prospects. So good to catch up with you. Great job as always, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great, DP. Congratulations, my man. Happy for you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That's Brennan King, one of the broadcasters for the South Bend Cubs that you can hear on WSBT Radio tonight. Pre-game 645, opening pitch at 7.05. 822 at Sports Radio 960, WSBT.
1: In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022.
3: Welcome back to Sportsbeat AM on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Great to have you with us on this Friday morning. Well, major championship golf is coming back to our area as the Senior PGA Championship will be at Harbor Shores in Benton Harbor, Michigan, May 25th through the 29th. Some of the world's greatest senior golfers coming back to our area In search of a major championship victory at this elusive Senior PGA Championship, Alex Cheka is the defending champion. And the list of golfers coming to this championship are the who's who of senior golf. If you have watched golf for a long time. And you have followed golf on television. You are going to recognize a lot of names and faces up at Harbor Shores when the Senior PGA Championship gets started May 25th through the 29th. KitchenAid, a big part of bringing the Senior PGA Championship to our area. And Deb O'Connor from KitchenAid joins me on WSBT Radio. Deb, it's a pleasure to talk to you this morning. How are you?
7: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
3: Thank you so much for your time. When you think about Whirlpool, KitchenAid, Benton Harbor, they have been together for so long. And I know the Whirlpool brand and the KitchenAid brand have teamed up with the Senior PGA Championship. And it sure seems like, Deb, it has been a great relationship because if I'm not mistaken, this is the fifth time this championship has come to Benton Harbor.
7: You're exactly right, yeah, and and all together, we we also uh, sponsor it on the opposite years as well, so we've been doing it with them for 12 years, so it's been a really great uh, relationship, and we're excited to be able to bring the community side, the family, you know, bring families in to the golf, to introduce them to golf, but also uh, bring them in for all the cooking and excitement that KitchenAid brings.
3: Yeah, Deb, that's one thing for sure, having been to several golf tournaments, normally it's just... Kind of the golf tournament. You go, you watch the golfers, and that's about it. But I think this is really unique at the Senior PGA Championship as you incorporate a lot of different events to go along with the great golf that people are going to come to watch. So when you talk about families, maybe dad loves the golf and mom and the kids don't or vice versa, there are opportunities for them to enjoy a lot of activities around the Senior PGA Championship. Let me start with the stand mixers on parade. What is that all about? Well, we like
7: to, uh, you know, get the stand mixers out there early on before the event so that people could kind of we could build some excitement and remind people that KitchenAid is going to be on the course. And uh, so we have uh, stand mixers downtown St. Joseph and downtown Benton Harbor in a lot of the retailers and offices, and they have all gone out way out. Decorating them, painting them, making them—you know—themed to their to their own uh, business, and you can walk along and you can vote on them. And so far, we've had we've had over two thousand votes already. Uh, but you'd be amazed at what people what people can do and think of. They're out there on Facebook too. If you're interested, just go check them out. They're amazing.
3: And if people want to vote, how can they do so?
7: they can, um, there's a QR code right there. So if you're out there okay. looking, then you can just, you know, scan the QR code and there's your
3: vote. Deb, I guess that's a, a great sign that the community has opened its, its arms to this championship as you see other parts of the community taking part in this event.
7: Absolutely. And, and you know, we, we know that well, we know our community is is an open-armed sort of community anyway, um, and that's really what we're trying to do is get people over to the community and and let them see what it's like to hang out in Southwest Michigan, and it's and it's really a lot of fun. It's friendly. Uh, we have a lot to a lot to do, uh, but one thing that we always notice is that the players love coming here. Mm-hmm. They always look forward. There, this is the one the one event that they love to bring their entire families, uh, just because they they love Southwest Michigan. So it's pretty cool to um, to be able to make these guys who have been everywhere um, excited to come to our our area.
3: Talking to Deb O'Connor from KitchenAid, some of the events surrounding the Senior PGA Championship May 25th through the 29th at Harbor Shores in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Now, the tournament gets underway on Thursday, but on Wednesday, May the 25th, Deb, you've got the start of a couple of concerts that people can enjoy. Who are they going to be able to check out?
7: Yeah, um, so we will be there all week. We will have music, and on Wednesday, we're going to be in the Benton Harbor Arts District. There's a car show. There's uh, the cigar club, is local cigar club will be there, um, and we'll have music there. And then um, on Thursday night, we have in the uh, city Benton Harbor City Center Park, we have uh, R&B artist Stephanie Mills and jazz artist uh, Gerald Albright. So that's that's the big concert of the week. And then we move over to um, to the uh, Pure Michigan Courtyard inside um, the venue, and we will have a local band. On, uh, on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So Um, A lot of fun to be had, like just, there's, we have um, our our whole courtyard will be full of things to do just to kind of feel the vibe of Southwest Michigan, Um, understand, you know, what it would be like to live, work, or play in Southwest Michigan, and um, we'll have the Makers Trail out there, so there will be some wineries and some breweries, and you can come out, enjoy the music every afternoon, so a lot going on.
3: And deb for these events like the concerts for example do people need tickets do they just show up how does that work
7: Yeah the um the, the big concert Thursday night is is a free concert so just show up city center park um, that one starts at seven o'clock, and then the um, all the others. In the Wednesday night is free as well. Show up in Arts District, uh, but the others you would need a ticket to get into the um, the golf venue. And if you have a ticket, then you're there. Um, you're there for the concert. You know, you're in. Like, <laughs> you have a ticket <laughs> to get to the event. And then also, we have some celebrity chefs in the KitchenAid Fairway Club. So we'll have uh, Melissa King um, from Top Chef uh, on Thursday, Friday. We have Scott Conant from Food Network's Chopped, and Saturday we have Stephanie Izard, also a Top Chef winner. So a lot going on. If you know, if you don't like golf. That's too bad because we have the best golfers coming. But, <laughs> um, but there will be something
3: for you to do. Deb, I know a couple of years ago as a media member covering the event, we got a KitchenAid can opener. Let me tell you, I'm horrible in the kitchen. I'm a developing cook, and that thing has taken a beating, and it's my favorite tool in the kitchen. It is a wonderful device. So so thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Hey, you mentioned about a car show that's also going to be surrounding this Senior PGA Championship. Uh, when is that going to take place? Uh, where is it going to be held, and can people still get involved in the car show?
7: Oh, oh, you know, um, so the car show will be in the um, down in the Benton Harbor Arts District on Wednesday. That is the twenty-fifth, I mm-hmm. believe. Yes. And uh, so that's um, so that's where they can, and it's the local car show um, that you know the the local car club. So if you're in that gotcha. car club, um, I'm sure you've already heard about it.
3: Okay, very good. That is coming up on Wednesday, May the 25th from 5 until 9 o'clock. So, Deb, this is just a sample of some of the things happening surrounding the Senior PGA Championship. Is there a website or is there somewhere where people can maybe jot or go check out these things that couldn't jot down this information as we were having this conversation? Do you have any suggestions for them?
7: Yeah, just go to srpga.com, and everything is on there. And uh, if you don't see what you're you're looking for, there's a number there that you can call, and and they can help you out because there is a lot going on. It's hard to even remember for me (laughs) in
3: the middle of it. Well, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. You can't remember all of it. That's wonderful. Are you a golfer at all, Deb? Do you enjoy the golf action?
7: Yes, I am. Uh, I'm an avid golfer. So I love seeing the golf. Um, and then I love I love the cooking, too. I'm an avid cooker. So it's uh, we um, we have a great week here in southwest Michigan. And I like anyone who hasn't been up to this uh, event, they should they should come on up bring and, the family.
3: And they should definitely go to the part of the golf course where the golf course is on the dunes. You look out at Lake Michigan. It is a spectacular sight at Harbor Shores in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Well, Deb, thanks to you, KitchenAid, Whirlpool, for making this happen every year, bringing championship golf back to our particular area at the wonderful venue up at Harbor Shores in Benton Harbor, Michigan. So thank you and looking forward to seeing all these other activities. I think it's great. Again, just besides the golf, you've got a lot of other things going on and SeniorPGA.com is the place to check out all the details. And I greatly appreciate having the chance to talk to you this morning and best wishes on a great month of May at the Senior PGA Championship.